Welcome to today's podcast, Casting Down Idols. This is the podcast where we talk about addictions and recovery from a biblical point of view. I'm your host, Pastor Mike Dixon, and I'm addressing the problem of addictions from my own personal experience, but most importantly, from a biblical perspective. Whether it's drugs, alcohol, sex, shopping, gambling, or overeating, or whatever struggle you may be facing, I want you to know there's hope for change. It's my prayer that through this podcast, you'll pick up some tools and encouragement that will enable you to live addiction-free. I've been clean and sober now for 31 years, and you can too. So let's learn, grow, let's encourage one another on this road called recovery. Well, praise the Lord. Welcome back to the podcast. This is your host, Pastor Mike Dixon, for the podcast, Casting Down Idols. This is where we talk about addictions and recovery from a biblical perspective. I hope that you're staying safe and you're doing well in the midst of this pandemic, praying for one another, trying to be an encouragement to those around you. I want you to especially lift up your local church leadership. Pastors are dealing with Uh, things just like everybody else right now, and especially leadership in our churches trying to decide when is the best time to try to bring the congregation back into the building, and it's a lose-lose situation. There's not going to be a decision that's going to please everyone, so lift up your church leadership, pray that God would give them wisdom, and that everything that we do would bring honor and glory to God. You know, the Bible says that we're to love one another, we need to show preference towards one another, And that means looking out for one another. So even in these decisions that are being made on the church level, on the local level, nationwide level, even around the world today, as far as this pandemic, COVID-19 is concerned, we do want to look out for one another and we do want to show preference to one another. So let's just ask God to give us wisdom and all of that. And there's power in prayer. Well, I pray that uh, things are going well with you. I pray that you're prospering in the midst of all this craziness that we're in. And what I believe is the last days, I believe Jesus Christ is getting ready to come back for his church. And I believe that could take place at any moment. So I hope that you're ready for that. Today's podcast on this episode today, we're going to talk about ready for battle and equipped to win. I've heard our president talk about COVID-19 as being an invisible enemy and others as well in the medical field and what have you, and that this is a time of war and the enemy is an unseen enemy. Well, when you think about fighting a battle, you know, we've got to be equipped to fight the battle and to be victorious. Even when you think about COVID-19, you know what we're trying to come up with now, when I say we, I'm talking about medical experts and laboratories as, as they work on a vaccine. That's the number one thing. That's the biggest thing that they say is going to help us Uh, overcome this COVID-19 pandemic is to have a vaccine that actually works and works well. Well, in a spiritual battle, you've got to also be equipped. God's word tells us how we can be equipped, ready for battle and equipped to win. You know, we're all in a battle. When we talk about addiction and recovery, you know, we know that's a struggle. We know, man, the battle is real. And it's not just in addiction. It's not just in substance use disorders. But in any kind of temptation that we're pulled to, drawn away from God, there's a struggle that takes place there. There's a battle that takes place within. The Apostle Paul talked about this battle within. I think about Romans chapter 7, verse 15, where Paul said, For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. 
For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. That's Romans chapter 7, verse 15. That's certainly describing a battle. You know, we can all identify with that. You know, I want to do what's right. I want to be a godly person. I want to walk in righteousness. I want to allow the Holy Spirit of God to control me. But there seems to be another nature, another power, another presence that's present within me that pulls me away from that. Why do I find it so easy to do the things I know I shouldn't do and so difficult sometimes to do the things I know that I should do? We talk about relapse and recovery. Why is it that so many people trying to come out of substance use disorders, why do we find so many times they relapse? Why is it so common uh, to see relapses in a person's life? And sometimes I hear experts and those in the recovery arena talking about, well, you know, relapse is part of recovery. Well, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. I mean, you can overcome that battle and you can overcome that battle for good. The last struggle that you had can be the last time that you give in to the temptation. There does not have to be relapse in your recovery. You know, in my life, when I surrendered to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, uh, way back when, over 30 years ago when I was 28 years old, and I took my hands off of my life and I truly surrendered to God, you know, from that point on, I've been clean. I, I didn't have any relapses in my life. I didn't go back and use. I didn't go back and I'd get drunk. I didn't go back into substance use. I didn't go back to doing drugs. I didn't go back to any of those things. And it's not that I wasn't tempted to because I was. You know, my own personal recovery coming out of drugs and alcoholism, it was a one step at a time, one day at a time process for me. And for me, in overcoming the battle, it took me about a year. It took me about a period of 12 months in just walking by faith, leaning on the Lord, getting plugged in to the best support group that you can find on planet earth. And that's a Bible believing, Bible preaching church. I surrounded myself with believers. I got myself in the word. I got involved in church. And so for every day, I had to continually make a decision. Am I going to go back into the life that I just left? Or am I going to keep pushing forward in the power of God and trusting him? And so for about a period of year, I had to fight that temptation to want to go back. For me, in my experience, I never, I didn't go back. I didn't relapse. It wasn't because I wasn't tempted to, because I was. But once the Holy Spirit brought me out to about 12 months outside of my addiction, I began to feel the chains fall off. I began to feel, you know what? I don't want to go back and use anymore. I don't want to go back and get high. I don't want to go back to the bars and the crack houses. I don't want to go back and hang around the groups that I used to hang around with before I came to Christ. I don't want that kind of life anymore. You know, when I asked Jesus Christ to come in and be my savior, he saved me, he delivered me, he forgave my sins, but he also gave me a new wanter. I don't want the things I used to want, amen? I mean, I don't want to go back to that kind of life. I mean, why would I want to go back to that kind of life and living in destruction and devastation and sickness and and all types of problems? I mean, I don't want to go back. I don't want the things I used to want. That's at the key here to overcoming this spiritual battle that we're in. When you say yes to Jesus Christ, my friend, that's not the end of the battle. That's just the beginning of the battle. You know, you were not really a threat to the enemy until you said yes to Jesus Christ. And when you said yes to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit came to indwell you, but you've still got sin. You still got the world. You still got that fallen nature, that influence within you that makes it so easy to do the things you know you shouldn't do, so difficult to do the things that you know you should do. That's what Paul is talking about in the book of Romans. Well, my friend, I don't have to tell you, but I'm going to tell you anyway, the battle is real. The battle is real. 
when you stepped out and you were determined, I'm going to leave the old life behind me. I'm going to push forward and be this new man, be this new woman, be this new person that I believe God wants me to be. Uh, there's going to be a struggle that's going to ensue right there. Now, in order to overcome the battle, my friend, you got to make sure you're thinking right. You got to make sure your mind is in line with what God says. Renew your mind. That's why the scripture tells us over and over again, just to do that. Renew your mind. Romans 12, 2 is one of my favorite passages in all the New Testament. It says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Don't be conformed. That word conformed is translated from a Greek word that means to be pressed into its mold. Don't allow the world to press you into its mold, but you're called to be different. You've been saved. You've been delivered. You've been empowered to be different, be transformed. How? By the renewal of your mind. Now you renew your mind with God's word. God's truth is always truth. Jesus said in John 8, 32, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. God's word leads to freedom, all types of freedom. The devil and the enemy and the demon's lies always lead to bondage. So you need to remember that. We're going to be looking at a passage in Ephesians chapter 6 as we talk about ready for battle, equipped to win. And I want to read this to you. This is a familiar passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter 6. Listen as I read verses 10 through 18 to you. And I'm reading out of the New King James Version of the Bible today. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Man, you know, let me just pause right there and say, we need a power beyond ourselves. I mean, I remember in my recovery and trying to come out of drugs and alcoholism, you know, so many times I would struggle to go back. So many times I did go back before I surrendered to the Lord. Nothing I had in me, I couldn't muster up enough power. You know, I couldn't come up with a plan that was good enough, it seemed, that would lead to success and full recovery. I just kept falling right back into it until I surrendered to the Lord. And so we got to be strong, not in ourselves, but the Bible says be strong in the Lord. Not in my power, but in the power of his might. Now he goes on in Ephesians 6 verse 11, and he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Man, our battle is real. We can't see our enemy. Our enemy is of a spiritual nature, but man, he is there and he is powerful and he is real. You know, you don't have to be afraid of the devil. If you're a born again believer, you don't have to be afraid of the devil, afraid of the enemy, because you've got God living in you. Greater is he that's within me than he that is within the world. I can be an overcomer. Man, I can be more than a conqueror. I can be victorious. I can be ready for battle and equipped to win. I can be successful in overcoming the temptations that come upon me, but I got to make sure I've got on the proper armor. Now he goes on in verse 13 of Ephesians chapter six, and he says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. My friend, I'll pause right there and say, it doesn't say put on part of the armor. It says put on the whole armor. I've got to make sure I have every piece of this armor in place if I'm going to be victorious. And he goes on in the scripture and he says that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. 
you know, again, I want to say these are evil days we live in. Man, there is so much craziness going on around us. And I'm not just talking about COVID-19. I'm talking about protesting in the streets. I'm talking about lawlessness. I'm talking about rebellion. I'm talking about this spirit, really the spirit of the Antichrist that's alive and well in our world today. Man, we live in a time where it just seems like things have just gone crazy. This is an evil day. If you're going to be able to withstand, to be victorious, more than a conqueror in this evil day, if you're going to be able to stand when everything's wanting to push you down, everything's wanting to knock you out, then you got to make sure you follow as a born-again believer and dwelt by the Holy Spirit what the Scripture is getting ready to tell us in verse 14. I'm reading in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with you, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. That is a powerful passage of scripture right there in God's word in Ephesians chapter six for us that helps us understand how we can be ready for the battle and ready to be victorious in the battle. You know, the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter one, verse seven, God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know, sometimes the battle is just over this demon of fear. In the midst of this pandemic and all the craziness going on around us, there's a whole lot of things we could be afraid of. I mean, murder hornets I heard about, you know, up in Washington. And, and uh, then we've got devastation around the world. We've got famine. I read about locusts in South Africa that were just eating up all the vegetation. And then you got to make sure you wash your hands and you don't touch your face and you wear a face mask and you look out for COVID-19 and you got to make sure you're social distancing, all this stuff, crime in our world, chaos in our world. There's a whole lot that we could be afraid of, but we don't have to be afraid. God's not given us that spirit of fear. And if God's not given us a spirit of fear, who do you think gave it to you? It's the enemy. That's right. You don't have to be afraid. Rely on God who lives in you. You know, the Bible tells us in verse 14, in the midst of all this stuff in these last days, stand therefore. You know, stand means stand firm. Don't run. You know, so many people are running in fear. He goes on, he says, having your loins girded about with truth. You know, the apostle Paul was probably looking at a jailer when he was thinking about this and, and writing about this. He was looking at that jailer and he was talking about here these pieces of the spiritual armor that we're supposed to wear. But maybe he was also looking at the, at the armor that that guard was wearing outside of his jail cell as Paul's sitting there. You know, now people back in biblical days, the, the men, they didn't dress in dress pants. You know, when they went into battle, they wore what really looked like a long dress. It was called a tunic. And uh, ladies can probably relate to this a little bit quicker than men, but uh, if a lady has on a long dress, you know, with a long hemline, she usually puts a belt around the hemline to, to pull it up, pull up the hemline. She puts a belt around the waist, excuse me, and that's to pull up the hemline so she doesn't trip over that long dress. Soldiers in biblical times, they wore a belt and they would tie it around their waist 
and that would help pull up this long garment. And so to be ready to fight in the battle, they needed to make sure that they had their loins girded about with truth. They had this belt on, and so they wouldn't trip over their own garment. Having your loins girded about with truth. You know, by the way, if you lie, if you lie, you better be ready to tell more than one lie because you know why? One lie leads to another lie, to another lie, and to another lie. And I, I've got to admit to you, I learned this lesson growing up at a very early age. The quickest way for me to get a whipping in my house that I grew up in was to be caught in a lie. And believe it or not, I tried to get away with one or two. And something else I discovered, it's harder to get away with lying to mama. It's harder to get away with lying to mama than it was daddy. I mean, because you know, mamas, they ask questions in packs of 10 and 20. You know, daddies may ask one or two questions, but mama, she's got a whole slew of questions. Can you relate to that? I mean, I think our young people know what I'm talking about. You go to your daddy and you say, dad, I'm going over to Jimmy's house. I'm going over to my friend's house. I'll be back later. He says, okay, I'll see you later. But you don't get off so easy with mama. You go to mama and you say, mama, I'm going over to my friend's house. I'm going to see Jimmy. See you later. She's got all these questions. Hold on right there. Who is this Jimmy character? Where does he live? Is his parents home? What kind of grades does he get? Has he ever been to jail? Does he have a record? I mean, they ask you everything. And so I'm just saying, as I talk about this, this uh, belt of truth that we need to make sure we put on, you know, if you're going to tell a lie, you need to be well ready to tell a pile of lies because one lie leads to another. What a tangled web we weave when at first we aim to deceive, right? It's something like that. We trip over our own lies. You know, Paul says that we should have our loins girded about with truth. Why? So I don't get tripped up. Verse 14 says, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. So not only the belt of truth, I need to make sure I'm a person of truth, but I got to make sure I've got on this breastplate of righteousness. You know, one of the, one of the most foolish things that a soldier could do was to go into battle with no breastplate. The breastplate was just a shield that would protect the chest, protect the vital organs like the heart. You know, I can imagine at the end of a battle as the soldier would disarm and he'd take off that breastplate, there would probably be cuts and nicks and scars all in that breastplate where it was hit by spears and struck by arrows and knocked by swords. You know, if he had not had on that breastplate, he would have died. Paul says that we ought to have on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, you know what righteousness is? Righteousness is simply right living. And some people have a hard time today explaining what right living is. I mean, the world wants us to believe there's no absolute right and wrong. Everything's relative, no lines, no boundaries. What's right for you might not be right for me and what's wrong for me may not be wrong for you. Well, there is an absolute truth and that's called the word of God. God is the one who's already drawn the line to determine what is right and what is wrong. Righteousness is right living. Righteousness is taking what God has already given me in the word of God the rightness of the truth, applying that to my life and living that out. There is an absolute right and wrong. God says what's right and what's wrong. And right is always going to be right according to God. Wrong is always going to be wrong according to God. When it comes to temptation and sin, we had better not be tolerant. We need to know there is an absolute truth. 
we're called to put on the breastplate of righteousness. And so I've got on the belt of truth. That helps me not to get tripped up, okay? Just like the soldier wearing the tunic. It helps me because one lie leads to another. If I'm going to tell one lie, I'm going to get tripped up because there's going to be other lies. And sooner or later, I'm going to be caught in a web of lies. I need to make sure I put on the breastplate of righteousness. That's right living. That protects my heart. In living a righteous life, that protects my heart, my vital organs, spiritually speaking, that's at the very root. Now, in verse 15, Paul goes on and he says, in verse 15, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know, shoes are very important. I can't imagine a soldier running out into the battlefield not having anything protecting their feet. And even in the spiritual battle, we've got this piece of the armor and these are these shoes that the, the Bible tells us that we need to make sure we shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Man, the world needs peace today. The world needs peace. If I'm going to overcome in this spiritual battle, in these last days, in these days of chaos, in these days of fear, in these days of lawlessness, in these last days in which I live, I've got to make sure I've got on these shoes of peace. You ever, have you ever been to the beach on a hot summer day and you're walking across the, the beach of the hot sand in your bare feet? Man, that burns, doesn't it? You got to have some shoes on. You're looking for a grassy spot, man, where you can just run over there and stand there for just a couple of seconds in order to cool off the bottom of your feet. They're like, ah, relief because the sand is so hot. In the heat of the battle, imagine not having on shoes, you know, now, as I think about this part of the spiritual armor that we need to make sure that we've got on, I think about these shoes of peace. You know, I think of these as being designer shoes. You've been in a shoe store lately or you looked online at shoes to order shoes. There's all kinds of shoes out there. I mean, you know, there's walking shoes and running shoes and basketball shoes, baseball shoes, running shoes, deck shoes. I mean, you name them. They even got shoes now that light up. They got shoes that you can pump air into. Uh, they, they got these kind of shoes today that are supposed to be like, you feel like you're not even wearing shoes, like your feet are naked. I mean, they got shoes for every purpose under the, under the heavens, whatever you can imagine. They probably got a shoe for it. But the shoe here in this armor that we need to put on, these shoes are, uh, these are not in the clearance section, okay? These would not be cheap shoes. Man, these are shoes of peace. These are shoes uh, that are purchased for us by the shed blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so they're not cheap shoes by any means, but these shoes are necessary. We got to make sure that we've got them on these shoes of peace. I've got on the belt of truth. The truth is what's going to set you free. Jesus said that in John 8, 32. The truth has got to be paramount in your life if you're going to live in recovery, if you're going to live a transformed life. Be a person about the truth of the word of God. Make sure you're living a righteous life. That's that breastplate of righteousness. Make sure that your shoes are shod with the gospel of peace. You know, make sure that you're spreading around not confusion and not division, you know, this political chaos that we got going on today, you know, I know it's an election year here in the United States this year. So, you know, we got all these politicians that are coming out of the word work now and it's one commercial after another and it's one political line after another. And it's all this division in our country today. Make sure that you're not part of the problem, that you're part of the solution. I need to be, I need to be a person of peace. You know, I need to be not adding to the division in the country in which I live, but I need to be spreading peace. I need to be 
you know, the Bible says that we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. That's the opposite of division. I'm supposed to be in the ministry of joining back together those that have been put asunder. When I think about sinful mankind and God, that's the ministry we're called to. And it's the gospel of peace. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ, our precious Lord and Savior, that the world needs. I gotta make sure my feet are covered with the gospel, man, the gospel of peace. You know, when somebody says yes to Jesus Christ, that brings peace. The fight against God is over. The separation between me and God is over. And also the desire I want to be right with my fellow man. There's also a desire there as a born again believer that I want to I want to live in peace with my fellow man. And so I got to make sure I've got these shoes of peace on. I'm not part of the problem of division and chaos, but I'm part of the solution and that's the gospel of peace. Now, something else we need to arm ourselves with. In verse 16, Paul goes on and he says, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the evil one. Man, the shield. These shields in biblical times were not little small shields. I mean, these were huge shields. These shields could have been four, five feet in diameter. I mean, they were really big. And, and what they would do with these shields is it was basically a piece of wood, usually. And they would have that wood clad uh, with some type of metal. You know, they would try to kind of cover it or at least cover the edges. And, um, and, and they, would, uh, they would soak these shields and they would soak these wooden shields in water because the enemy a lot of times would use catapults. They would use fiery arrows. What they would take with these, they'd take these arrows and they'd actually dip them in pitch or in tar and they'd set those arrows on fire and then they'd shoot those arrows over to the enemy's camp. And so the enemy would use these huge wooden iron clad shields they had that were soaked in water to block themselves from the arrows. And when those fiery arrows would hit those water soaked shields, immediately it would put out the fire. And what they would do is they would bump these shields up against one another. So it would be like a wall these huge shields at four, four feet in height. And uh, they'd plush those, field, those shields out in front of them. And then their fellow soldiers would come up right beside them, bump their shields up. And so you'd end up with a long line of these shields, bumper to bumper, edge to edge. It would be like a great wall against the enemy. And so we've got to have, we've got to have this shield in order to fight the battle. And you know what? That tells me something else. We need one another. We need one another. A soldier in a battle needed his fellow soldiers to help him and to come alongside of him with their shield. We need to come alongside one another. If we're going to be ready for battle and we're going to be victorious more than a conqueror, we're going to be an overcomer in this battle. If you're going to stay recovered, if you're going to stay clean, if you're going to stay righteous, if you're going to be victorious over the temptations the enemy's throwing at you, you need one another. And so let me encourage you. You need to be part, number one, of a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. I believe that is the greatest support group you could have on planet Earth. And my friend, I know that churches aren't perfect. I've pastored churches now for 30 years. I know there's no perfect church here on this earth. One day we're going to be part of a perfect church. That's going to be when we get to glory and we get to heaven. Until then, we've got to deal with the imperfections of one another. But the local church is the greatest group of believers on the face of the planet. We're created as dependent creatures. We need God and we need one another. 
And so if you're not part of a Bible-believing church, you need to be part of a Bible-believing church. You need to make sure that you've got a support system around you. You need to make sure you're hanging around, you're associating with people that want to live righteous lives, that want to live in this life of recovery, that want to live for the Lord. Surround yourself with people like that, that are going in the same direction. We need one another. And then when the battle comes and you're tempted, we've got one another to help us, to encourage us. And we can encourage them. We can come alongside one another with our shield of faith and put out our shield of faith. And our friends and and, and, and fellow soldiers in the spiritual battle come up beside us and we end up a whole lot more effective. You know, Jesus said that a, a nation or a kingdom divided against itself will not stand. We need to be united as brothers and sisters in Christ. There's too much that divides us today, even in our country, even in our world. If we're going to be ready for battle and we're going to be ready to win, then we need one another. We've got to have this shield of faith and we need to have one another helping us in this battle to be victorious. You know, your faith can help my faith. My faith can help your faith. You know, sometimes our faith is weak. Let's just be honest. Sometimes we have doubts. And so when I've got a a strong, mature believer around me that's helping me through that time like that, well, they're taking their shield of faith and they're bumping it up against mine and they're helping me get through that crisis. And so the shield of faith is, is so important. You know, Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, without faith, it is impossible, impossible to please God. You know, faith is simply confidence, is trust in God Almighty. I trust in the saving work of Jesus Christ for salvation. I'm saved by faith. But then my whole relationship with God through his son is based on me having that confidence, me having that faith, me having that trust in God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, let's move on in this Ephesians uh, chapter 6 passage. He goes on in verse 17, and he says, And take the helmet of salvation, the helmet of salvation. I believe when a person gets saved, he puts on this helmet. But my friend, that's not the only piece of the armor that you need to be wearing. You know, I know a lot of people, seems like in churches that I've pastored over the years and people I've come in contact with, and it seems like when I look at the pieces of the armor here, it seems to me like the only piece that they bother to put on is the helmet. I mean, they haven't bothered to put on any of the other pieces. And I think of those uh, from a spiritual perspective as being spiritual streakers. I mean, they've got nothing on but the helmet. You hearing me? You know what a streaker is. As somebody who just runs through a public place, without a stitch of clothing on, just naked from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. And from a spiritual perspective, there's a lot of spiritual streakers. I mean, all they've got on is a hat and a smile. You know, all they want to do is talk about 50 years ago when uh, they made a confession of faith and they accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But ever since then, they've just been running around with a hat and a smile on, just wearing a helmet. That's all they've got on. I mean, you know, imagine a person coming to church with nothing on but a hat. I mean, just proud of that hat. You know, and you'd ask them, are you saved? Oh, yes, I got saved in 1965 at an old-fashioned altar, and that's when I put on this hat. Nice hat, huh? Don't you like my hat? You understand what I'm saying? You know, some people are so proud of that hat, they never bother to put on the belt. They never bother to grab the breastplate. They never bother to slip on the shoes. They never bother to grab the shield. All they've got on is a hat and a smile, and that's exactly the way that God sees it. You know, you got to make sure 
you got on every piece of this armor, not just the helmet of salvation, not just content and satisfied. Well, I know I'm saved when I die, I'm going to the sweet by and by. No, you got to be, you've got to be determined here. Now you're going to have on every piece of this breastplate just to know that you're saved is not good enough. I mean, you got to have on the rest of the armor in order for you to be victorious over the enemy and to be the influence that God wants your life to be in this dark and clueless world that we live in. And so the, the helmet of salvation, I got saved. I put the helmet on all by grace, but I got to deal with the rest of the armor. Now he goes on in verse 17 and he says, not only the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You know, really we've got these next two things here, the sword and prayer. You know, these are two offensive weapons, two weapons that we have to be on, not the defensive, but offensive. And so we've got the sword mentioned. And then, then it says in verse 18, praying always with all prayer. The sword, the Bible says, is the word of God. And then prayer is me talking to God. You know what the devil's afraid of? You know what the thing the devil fears more than anything else is when God's people grab the word of God and are connected with God in prayer. I'm telling you, that's what scares the devil half to death. That's what scares the devil more than anything else. When you take the sword, the word of God, the truth of God, that's what you're using to defend yourself, to be offensive, to be defensive. It all comes back to the word of God, what God says in the Bible. And you're, you're just, uh, a person of prayer. You're continually, you got the phone off a hook, man. You're in a continual conversation with God. The Bible tells us to uh, always be praying, pray without ceasing. If we're going to stand against the wiles of the devil, we got to make sure we've got every part of this armor on, including using the word of God. That's the sword. And I need to make sure I'm in connection with God in prayer. You know, my friend, the devil is not playing games. I think about John 10, 10, where it says the enemy or the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's playing for keeps. The enemy's playing for keeps. He wants to steal from you. He wants to destroy from you. He wants to put to death in your life anything that's near and dear. He's trying to get into hearts. He's trying to get into homes. He's trying to get into schools. He's trying to get into governments. He's trying to get into churches today. And he's doing a pretty good job in a lot of places. He's not playing games. We got to be on guard. We got to make sure we've got on the full armor of God. You know, it breaks my heart every time I hear about another casualty, another overdose, another young person, another older person, even another child just overdosing on drugs and their life is over. It breaks my heart. It burdens me. It ought not to be that way. My friend, there's another way to live. If we'll look to God, our creator, and make sure we got on the helmet first, make sure that we're saved, but then we got to discipline ourselves and we've got to decide, we've got to make a choice. I'm going to take time to put on the rest of this armor because I want to be victorious. It's not just about walking an aisle. It's not just about being baptized in water. It's not just about joining a local church. It's about me having a relationship with God, me working out my own salvation in fear and trembling. It's about me disciplining myself to make sure I'm putting on, on an ongoing basis, 
every piece of this armor that I might be more than a conqueror, that I might be able to stand against the fiery darts, that I might be victorious over the enemy that wants to sidetrack me and pull me back and get me on this road where he wants to steal, kill, and destroy everything that God wants in my life as far as blessings. My friend, you got to take this passage seriously. You got to make sure, man, I'm taking the time. I'm putting on the full armor of God. I'm going to stand against the enemy. Now, I'm going to pray with you. I came across a spiritual warfare prayer um, some time ago. It's based on scripture. And I just want to share this with you. Uh, those in the life ministry, you know, this coming Tuesday night, um, uh, we're in mid-July now. When uh, your meeting comes up, you're going to be talking about this. But uh, for all of us, I mean, this is just a, a, you know, I think there's power in prayer. I know there's power in prayer. And I think the best way to pray is to use God's word. And so when I think about this, and I think about, you know, the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy, John 10, 10. And I think about, uh, you know, addiction is idolatry. It's worshiping a false God. When I'm tempted to go back and worship a false God, when I'm tempted to relapse, I need to go to God and I need to pray. I need to take the word of God. That's the sword, remember. And I need to be in prayer. That's the two offensive, offensive weapons that I have at my disposal. And so this is fulfilling both of those. This is using the word of God to pray. It's based on Revelation 12, uh, verse 11, and also Colossians chapter 127. Here's a prayer based on those two passages. Heavenly Father, thank you that the blood of Jesus purchased the full forgiveness of my sins and that I am your child forever because Jesus lives in me and because he has supernatural power, I realize that I have his supernatural power to overcome any sin. That simple prayer is based on Revelation 12, 11 and Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. There's power in praying the word of God. Ephesians 6, verse 13. Listen to this prayer. Lord God, I ask you to take back any ground the enemy has gained in my mind, in my will, and in my emotions, and to enable me to firmly stand my ground. There's power in praying the word of God. My friend, I want to pray with you right now. If you're able to bow your head with me, I just want to lift you up. Let's pray for one another. Let's ask God through the ministry of the Holy Spirit to help us to be diligent about making sure we've got on every piece of this armor that we might be able to stand in these last days. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your blessed word. I thank you for the truth of your word that always brings freedom. It always sets the captive free. And you've reminded us today from the book of Ephesians that we need to take time Lord, we need to work out our own salvation, but we need to take time to put on every piece of this armor. It's not good enough just to know that I'm going to heaven when I die. I got to make sure I've got on every other piece of this armor that I will be able to stand and to stand victoriously. I pray for every person listening to this podcast, Lord, today. I ask that you'd encourage them. I pray, Lord, you'd help them to be mindful of the fact that uh, that you've supplied everything they need. Lord, all they got to do is reach out and they got to take it. Just like a soldier you know, nobody's going to force the armor on the soldier. The soldier's got to reach out and the soldier's got to put forth some energy to make sure that he's wearing every piece to the armor. So it's true with us, Lord, as believers. We, it's going to require us to put forth some energy. I've got to decide. I'm going to do this. I'm going to put on every piece of this armor. I am going to overcome. I am going to be victorious. I have settled it right now. I'm going to use the word of God. I'm going to be connected to God in prayer, and I'm going to be more than a conqueror. Lord, help us to live 
in that truth. Help us to live it out. I pray for freedom for those that are listening to this episode. I pray chains would fall off. I pray, Lord God, that you would just set the captive free. I'm praying for victory for every person listening, Lord, to this episode today. I pray that they would be determined. I'm going to walk in freedom. I'm going to walk in victory. I'm going to walk. I'm going to walk more than a conqueror, all because of Jesus. In his precious name we pray, amen. God bless you today. I hope that you're enjoying God's goodness in your life. You're counting your blessings. I pray that you'll stay focused. I want to encourage you to pray for me. I'll be praying for you in these days in which we live. You know, maybe we've never met face to face, but I believe if you're a born again believer, one day we will meet. Maybe we'll meet in the rapture and we'll meet in glory. And that day, my friend, I believe it's closer than any of us realize. I want you to Encourage one another, pray for one another, continue on this road of recovery. If I can help you in some way, let me know. My email address is mikelifeaddictionrecovery at gmail.com. I've got it posted on the description for this episode right there on the host, wherever you're listening to this podcast. You ought to be able to find it there. Look forward to speaking with you again. In the meantime, just rejoice in who you are in Christ Jesus. Know that God is still on the throne. Things are not out of control. We are more than conquerors. The victory has been guaranteed to us as believers. Lord bless you. 